Well, hi, everybody. This is Don Stewart, and thank you so much for inviting me to be replacing Tom. You can't really replace Tom Hughes on Hope for Our Times, and we have a message for you tonight that I believe will be a real, real blessing. Now, one of the specialties that Tom has and I have is the subject of last day's Bible prophecy. And Tom asked me if I wouldn't mind speaking on that, and I said, no, not at all. Now, I've written a book called 25 Signs We're Near the End. That book is a free download on our website, educatingourworld.com. And what I'd like to do is summarize the 25 signs for you during this talk. Now, I did this years and years ago on a Sunday night here at 412 Church, and we've had a ridiculous amount of viewers. The last I looked, something like 800,000 views of that. But I want to do it a little bit differently again today because I've got a few spins and things I want to add on that with my maturity, of course, over the years, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. Now, I want to start out first, before I get to the 25 signs, there are two important things that we must remember in interpreting Bible prophecy, in particular, last day's Bible prophecy, because these mistakes are being made, and we don't want to see them being made anymore, and we certainly don't want to see them being made in our lives. All right, first, we're not to go beyond that which is written. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, uh, Paul says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond that which is written. That's 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Now, here's why I say this. In the scriptures, God has revealed everything that is necess necessary for us to know about him and his plan for eternity. In other words, we don't need anything else. We don't go beyond that which is written. In fact, a very important verse, if you're like underlining in your Bible, this is one you ought to have too, besides 1 Corinthians 4, 6. This is Jude 3. Uh, Jude says, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. All right. The Bible says the faith has been once and for all delivered to us. We don't need anything else told us. We don't need anybody to tell us about some sign from heaven or have some sign or some prophecy about the end times or some vision they have. The faith has been once and for all delivered. It is sufficient. And Paul says, as we put this together with 1 Corinthians 4, 6, we're not to go beyond that which is written. So what we have here is the Bible being very clear. Paul says, we don't go beyond that which is written. The Word of God is limited, these 66 books of the Bible, and the faith has been once and for all delivered. And so this is our yardstick, this is our framework, this is our battle plan, whatever you want to call it, of where we go to find the answers. But there's something else here. When we read the Bible, we read it at face value. In other words, we don't have to read between the lines to find hidden messages. So not only has the faith been once and for all delivered, it's been clearly delivered. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1.13. He says, our letters have been straightforward and there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. Let me read that again. Our letters have been straightforward. There is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. So the Bible has been written in an understandable way for you and I. Now, I like the way the Amplified Bible puts it. He says, 
For we write you nothing other than what you read and understand. There is no double meaning in what we say, and I hope you will accurately understand divine things until the end. That's 2 Corinthians 1.13 from the Amplified Bible. Now, again, th this is exactly what the apostle is saying. Uh, they write nothing other than what you read and understand. It's all been given to us, okay? Number one, there's no double meaning. You read it at face value, and hopefully you'll accurately understand it. So, bottom line, we go to the Bible loan for information about the future, and in doing so, we read it in a straightforward manner. No hidden messages, no double meaning. We have to go nowhere else and just the Bible. As we often say, when you read the Scripture, if the literal sense makes good sense, then seek no other sense lest you come up with nonsense, okay? So we read it at face value. It's there for us. So let's now look at the 25 signs. We're near the end, and we're going to take these signs, signs that are given to us in Scripture at face value, okay? Means what it says and says what it means, and look at them. All right. The first sign, and this is the uh, one of the two biggies, is the miracle of Israel's survival. The miracle of Israel's survival. One of the fascinating things about the promises of God is that he promised the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they would survive, that there would not become an end to their particular race. And this is a miraculous prophecy, and it's had a miraculous fulfillment. It is literally a miracle when you think about historically their survival of the Jews. In the uh, book 25 Signs, I have an appendix there, and one of the appendixes talks about prophecy commentators who lived like in the 18th and 19th century who did not have any, by the way, they didn't have any of these signs that we have except the first two, but what they had, they clung to because they saw something here in these first two signs that gave them hope that the other 23 would eventually come to pass. And here's what they saw. They saw the miraculous survival of the Jewish people wherever they they looked in the world. And it's fascinating. We have quote after quote after quote of authors saying, uh, you know, wherever you go in the world, where it's hot weather, cold weather, you'll always find Jews, but you'll always find Jews looking the same, acting the same, having the same laws, the same customs. In other words, they never integrate into society. They always keep to themselves as a distinct people. And they have, and that was one of the miraculous things, that they're everywhere worldwide. They're always persecuted wherever they are worldwide, but they all always remain the same people group. And this was noticed by these commentators. No matter what happens, no matter what kind of persecution they go through, the Jews are still with us, miraculously with us. Now let's remember something, with us with all the persecution they have had. No other nation, no other people group has been persecuted as has the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so one of the things they noticed is here we are, now, let's say they're writing in the, in the 19th century, the 1800s. It had been, um, you know, 1,800 years, 1,800 years from the time the Jews were kicked out of the land, AD 70. They were taken to captivity to Rome. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. They're scattered throughout the entire world. And yet they, they still exist as a homogenous group of people, as a group of people who believe, you know, uh, the same beliefs, have the same looks, the same laws, and the such like. They
they keep to themselves wherever they go. And this was noticed. And the whole point was because they're doing this, because they are keeping to themselves, because they're miraculous survival through all types of persecution, it means God will eventually fulfill certain uh, literal promises to them. And so this is what kept these people going. And uh, I've quote after quote from these, these old time scholars uh, that took the Bible seriously. But the bottom line was this. They expected that someday they would see the predictions made about Israel, about the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be literally fulfilled. Now, they didn't see it in their lifetime, but you and I have seen this as we will get further into the signs. The miracle of their survival, and the greatest miracle of all, of course, when you think about it, not only with the destruction of the city of Jerusalem in AD 70 that they survived that, but also during the Holocaust of the Second World War where six million Jews were put to death in the final solution with Hitler trying to destroy the race once and for all, but he could not do it. The Jew continues to survive because Jesus said, made it very clearly, Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles then a little word, until, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. In other words, there's a future for Jerusalem. So number one, the miracle of Israel's survival is exactly what we see today. They do survive. They're here today in the year 2021. Now, number two, this is the second thing these commentators had, and we call this uh, sign, as their enemies have done to Israel, so God will do to them. Now, what's fascinating, we see in the Old Testament certain enemies that Israel had, uh, certain people groups that wanted to destroy them. In fact, there are at least five of them there. You got the Philistines, you got the Amalekites, the Edomites, the Moabites, and the Ammonites, at least those five groups. That when we read the Old Testament, there was an attempted destruction of Israel or thwarting the plan of God through each of these five people groups. And uh, this is documented in Scripture. Because of this, the God of the Bible then pronounce judgment and punishment on these groups. In other words, the Amalekites would no longer exist. The Philistines would no longer exist as a distinct people group. The uh, Edomites, Ammonites, Moabites, they wouldn't exist, none of them, because they tried to wipe out God's people. And this was the, the prediction in the Old Testament. Now, what these commentators saw, as they sh uh, wrote, not only does Israel miraculously exist, they're still here. These people groups are not. They have lost their national identity. For example, when's the last time you ever saw a French Ammonite? Well, how about, how about a, um, a Swahili uh, Jebusite or a Swahili uh, a, a Philistine or something like that? All these ites, and there was not just these people, but other people groups who weren't there, who, tried, who were there in the Old Testament, who tried to destroy Israel. They're not there anymore. They don't exist as a people group. By the time the Roman Empire uh, came about, you had no Ammonites, no Edomites, no Moabites. They had been amalgamated into Rome. Same with the Philistines. Um, that happened, actually, at the Babylonian capital. Activity. The cities kept their names, but the people groups disbanded. Same with Amalek. Point is this. God specifically said to these different people groups, because you've done this to Israel, I'm going to do this to you. You're no longer going to exist as a unique people group. So number one, they not only don't exist, but as we just saw in our first sign, uh, 
the Jews obviously exist. So God said, you're going to exist. Jeremiah 31, 35 to 37, as long as the sun's in the sky, stars and moon are up there, you're going to exist as a unique people group. Okay, uh, The Jews still exist, but then at least these five groups, and there were other groups besides the five, because you have attempted to destroy Israel, you are going to be punished and you're going to lose your identity. Each of them have. So let's take a step back and say, okay, isn't this interesting? You got these five groups, all tried to wipe out Israel. They're no longer around. Israel's promised to be around. They are around. So if my math is right, God is six for six. Yes, we have Israel. No Philistines, no Ammonites, no Amalekites, no Edomites, no Moabites. Well, hmm, how did that happen? Well, because the God of the Bible means what he says and says what he means. Now, what's also interesting here is another nation that was problematic for a long period of time to Israel, that would be the Egyptians, Egypt. But God promised a future for the Egyptians. Well, let me ask you this. Are there Egyptians around today? There certainly are. Hmm. So, seven for seven. Egyptians, Israel are still around today. The other nations are not. As their enemies have done to Israel, so God will do to them. All right, number three. Israel will miraculously return to its ancient homeland in the last days. So here's the third thing that we see prophesied in Scripture. Israel is The people of Israel are going to come back to their ancient homeland, but they're only going to do it in the last days. This is Ezekiel 38.8. Twice in the same verse, in the last time, in the last days, the people will return to their ancient homeland. This is the promise of God. Against all odds of history, they will come back, not a first time, but a second time from captivity, and they will come back in the land. Well, what's interesting, there was a first captivity and a first, you know, 70 years in Babylon, and they returned from that after a 70-year Babylonian captivity, just as the Bible predicted. 606 to 536 BC, they're back. Okay, they're back in the land. That is Israel miraculously. But scripture also predicted a second destruction of the city and the temple and a second captivity. But this one they didn't give a time frame with. They said, you know, for a long period of time, as Jesus said in his parables, the king is gone for a long period of time. Well, it was 1900 years he was gone or at least Israel's been gone from the land, and yet the prophets would, you know, have predicted they will return in the last days. Now, what's fascinating about that, these commentators who saw sign number one and sign number two, remember what they are. They're still a nation, Israel. They're still a distinct people. They're a nation. They're in exile. The nation never ceased to exist. People wrongly say uh, the nation became, you know, back in 1948. No, no, no. The nation's always existed. They became a modern state in 1948, as we're going to see in a minute. The nations always existed, but these other people groups do not exist anymore as distinct entities. Israel does. In fact, the, the Gentile prophet Balaam said something like 3,500 years ago, Israel would never be reckoned among the nations. In other words, they would never amalgamate or be absorbed. They would always stay unique, and they have. So you got Israel still around, Egypt still around, and these other five nations not. But then what we see, what we do have here is they have miraculously returned in the last days uh, to their ancient homeland and formed a modern state, May 14th, 1948. Let me tell you how incredible this is. No other nation in the history of the world has ever been 
once removed from their homeland and come back. Not even once. It's happened to Israel twice. Once for 70 years, once for almost 1900 years, and both times it was predicted in Scripture. So we see sign number three, in the last days they're going to return miraculously to their ancient homeland. Now this is what's really crucial when we talk about last days Bible prophecy. Because Ezekiel 38.8 says twice it will be in the last days. Two times it says that in the same verse. In other words, they won't return till it's the time of the end, the season of the end. This is very important for us to understand. So the third sign, they're going to miraculously return to their ancient homeland in the last days. Now what's even more amazing about that, this took place only three short years after the end of the Second World War, after the Nazi Holocaust, they came back and formed a modern state against literally all odds of history when the final solution was attempted there to wipe them out. Well, they weren't wiped out at all. God miraculously brought them back, and here they are today. So sign number three, and this is the big sign, by the way, that they miraculously returned to their ancient homeland in the last days. Now, again, these commentators of old all believed that was going to happen. They all predicted it, but they never saw it. But they believed it by faith. Here, we don't have to exercise any faith. We just have to open our eyes. Sign three. Okay, sign four is one that so many people make the mistake about. And we want to explain this very carefully. The nation will return in two stages. This is very important. We understand this sign. They're going to come back first in unbelief, which they have. On May 14th, 1948, when the modern state of Israel was reborn, they came back in unbelief of Jesus. That was the first stage on their own. The second stage is when they return, when the Lord brings them back at his coming. Now, Ezekiel 38, uh, 37, he has the prophecy, remember the vision of the dry bones, and you see it in two stages. See these bones, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, you know, well, you know, Lord, I don't know. Well, the bones, you know, come in the uh, shape of, of, of human beings. They, the bones are now, you know, fully bones, but there's no life in them. So the first phase is the bones come back, but with no life. Eventually, they have, they have life in them. This is a prediction of Israel returning to their land. They come back, but without spiritual life. Yes, they're back, but they're spiritually dead. There's one commentator named Elhanan Winchester. He wrote in the year 1789, and he basically said this and made it very logical. Uh, we are not to think that God will bring his people back as a converted people, in the last days to the land, and then put them through this period of the worst time ever, or the Great Tribulation. He wouldn't do something like that. That's why they have to come back unconverted. So first time they come back on their own, and then once they come back unconverted, form the modern state, eventually they will see Christ believe in him, the one whom they have pierced, as their Savior. But that's going to happen after this time of Great Tribulation. So Bottom line, it's in two phases now, okay? Number one, is it's already been fulfilled. They've already come back on their own. They still, though, are back in unbelief. So all the promises where it talks about, you know, Israel's going to be back in the land, God is going to be their God, He's going to be their people, they're going to receive the blessing. That hadn't happened yet. That's still future. So we don't want to make the mistake to see their return now as the fulfillment of this prophecy. Yes, one half of it. They're back, but they're back in unbelief. So it's in two phases. And many people, like we said, really, really miss that. 
and it's unfortunate that they do, but they are back. Now, <laughs> sign number five, Jerusalem will be united under Israeli rule. Jerusalem will be united under Israeli rule. Now, this one is also fascinating because in 1948, when the modern state of Israel was reborn, there was no uniting of the city of Jerusalem. Okay? Jerusalem was divided right down the middle. The War of Independence, 1948, after the modern state of Israel was uh, uh, did, uh, existed, recognized by the United Nations, recognized by the United States of America. There was a war that went on one minute after midnight, May 15th, 1948. When the armistice happened, Jerusalem's divided right down the middle. Half of it's Israeli, that's West Jerusalem, the other half, East Jerusalem, the country was called Transjordan. Okay, it wasn't a united city. All right, careful Bible students said, you know, there's got to be another war. Something's got to happen because Jerusalem has to be united at the time of the end. It has to be a unified city because uh, the book of Zechariah tells us at the time of the end, half of the city is taken over and the other half is fighting for its life. The assumption is Jerusalem is united under Israeli rule in the last days. So careful Bible students in 1948 said, well, uh, something has to happen to unite the city of Jerusalem because they're there as a modern state. That's all well and good, but they're not united yet. They have to be united, the city of Jerusalem. Well, check it off. 19 years later, June of 1967, the Six-Day War, the city of Jerusalem was united. Okay, They were united. Um, you know, it was literally six days. Amadagur, the paratrooper, got on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is on our hands. They captured the Temple Mount, East Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, the Golan Heights, the such like. And so fulfilling the prediction, particularly with this, not only, well, particularly the city of Jerusalem, a united city, it was now liberated. And this fulfilled uh, sign number five, uh, Jerusalem will be united under Israeli rule, will be united under Israeli rule in the last days. It is, and it remains under Israeli rule today. We're not prophets. We're not sons of prophets, but let me make this prediction. They won't be, the city will not be divided again. Trust me, because God says they're going to be united at the time of the end. So number five, again, literally fulfilled. They've survived. Their enemies have been judged. They've miraculously returned. The first stage of their return has already taken place, and Jerusalem's united. Now, number six is really interesting here. Israel will be in the world's spotlight. Israel will be in the world's spotlight. Now, isn't that fascinating? Here's this little tiny nation about the size of the state of New Jersey or Lake Michigan. Uh, there in the Middle East, it's going to be in the spotlight of the world. And here we are in the year 2021. That's precisely where Israel is in the world's spotlight. You can't read in a newspaper or an online store or anything a day didn't go by where Israel's not somewhere mentioned. Why this one nation? Why are they continuously in the spotlight of the world? Why is there so much concern? Why is there so much discussion, so much hatred for them? Well, as the Bible says, Israel is God's people, and God, they're there for a purpose. Even though they're there now in unbelief, they're going to be in the world's spotlight. Now, think about the odds of that happening. Not only the fact, just the last couple of things I've mentioned, that Jerusalem would be united, that they would be in the world's spotlight at the time of the end, that doesn't seem possible. On a human level, nobody could guess something like that. But that's precisely what we see here in the last days. Jerusalem united under Israeli rule. 
and in the world's spotlight. Um, love them or hate them, you got to keep talking about them. Israel has become the eighth most powerful country in the world. They're one of the leaders in uh, technology, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, again, from a country that's basically come from nothing since 1948. Amazing, amazing story. But the fact that they're in the spotlight is rather mind-boggling. Now, sign number seven there will be a continual search for peace in Israel, a continual search for peace. Now, isn't this interesting? What does that assume? That assumes if there are going to be wars and, and chaos and they're always going to be, you know, uh, looking over their shoulder, someone's going to attack them. Well, since 1948, since the War of Independence, they have enemies around them. They've had, you know, three wars. They've had the war in 48, 67, 73, where the, the attempted destruction of, of Israel has taken place. They have not been destroyed, but you still have the threats to this day uh, against Israel, particularly from the country of Iran, uh, to, you know, to destroy them. And there's no... Um, peace treaty yet between Israel and the so-called Palestinians, and so a continual search for peace. Now, why do we say this? It's only because some type of peace treaty will eventually be made that will be done by this final Antichrist that comes on the scene. When he comes on the scene, he puts a peace treaty together, but the fact that he has to put one together shows there hasn't been a peace. And the Bible says when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come on their way. But the point is, if you have a continual search for peace, I mean, you got to, you're in a continual state of either war or looking over your shoulder for a potential war, a possible war. And that's where Israel has been in in these last days. So sign number seven, there'll be a continual search for peace. Sign number eight, preparations will be made to build the third temple. Now, this one, again, seems absolutely impossible. A third temple. First temple was built by, uh, well, it's actually built by David. He gathered everything. Solomon got the credit for it. Uh, that was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586, 587 BC. Uh, was rebuilt by a man named Zerubbabel, enlarged by King Herod, destroyed the second time in AD 70 by the Romans. A third temple was predicted to be built in the city of Jerusalem, a temple built in unbelief of Jesus, a temple that will be, according to Isaiah 66, the sacrifice there will be like sacrificing a pig or breaking a dog's neck. Uh, God is not going to be honored with that. He's going to hate it because no sacrifices are necessary now. Sacrifices are not um, accepted and uh, by God because the ultimate sacrifice was made uh, done by Jesus Christ. But the Israelis, you know, who are in unbelief of Jesus, they're preparing to build a third temple in the city of Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. And uh, we've had, uh, written a whole book on this, the Jews, Jerusalem, and the uh, next temple, or the coming temple, I can't remember what the title was, Jews, Jerusalem, the coming temple. Um, again, free download on educatingourworld.com, where we go into detail about the whole preparations, the whole history of this, and why it's so interesting that to this day, and here again, think about this, in the 21st century, 2021, there's the idea that Jewish people want to build a temple again and offer animal sacrifices sacrifices, just as the Bible predicts. Again, sign number seven, sign number eight, preparations are being made. Let me tell you, they are indeed being made. Um, I've been um, honored to be part of the uh, viewing of all this since uh, 1982, actually, on a trip to Israel, where I met some of the people who were the, uh, shall we say, the on the avant-garde group who wanted to build a third temple, became friends with them, there's a group in Israel called the Temple Institute that have prepared and built the implements. There's a desire and hope to build a third temple. It hadn't happened yet, but um, 
the preparations are made. In fact, uh, when we were there in, what, what year was it? It was 1980, well, let's see, 1990s, 97, something like that. We had a, um, in the 1990s, we had a conference there in Jerusalem. And basically, um, we asked the person who was the head of the Temple Institute, how soon? Okay, let's say you get the okay to build a third temple. How soon till it's up and running? And he told us, this is, you know, 25 odd years ago, maybe 30 years ago. He said, from the moment we get the okay to build the third temple, we'll be sacrificing in three to four months. And so the preparations are made. It's all there, believe me. Um, and so once they get the okay, it can happen very, very quickly. But the preparations are being made. Okay, number nine, sign number nine. In the last days, certain specified nations will invade Israel. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Okay, the nations are mentioned there in Scripture with their ancient names, uh, such as Rosh, which means Russia, modern-day Russia. You've got Beth Togarma, Gomer, which is Turkey. You've got Persia, which is modern-day Iran. You've got some other nations that are mentioned there, uh, Libya, um, northern Sudan, which be put in Kush. Bottom line is these are the nations today, coincidentally enough, not coincidentally, of course, being facetious, that are all haters of Israel, which are surrounding Israel, which are putting together and are in the process of unifying to do a last day's invasion of Israel. So it is, the stage is being set for that. And what's really interesting about this, you've got terrorist nations like northern Sudan. You've got, of course, uh, Iran, which is the greatest, self, the greatest sponsor of terrorism in the world former greatest friend of Israel, now their greatest enemy. You've got Russia and Turkey, which also have designs on the Middle East, too, which are part of these uh, last days, you know, invasion there. And so the stage is being set. Now, what's really fascinating about this is the uh, country of Libya called Put in the Bible, P-U-T. Libya has been kind of the odd man out here because as of this moment, they can't put an army together because the nation's been divided for the last 10 years since the death of their leader, Muammar Gaddafi. They, um, they've got you know two factions, East and the West, governed by two different groups. Bottom line is they've just had recently some agreements made to unify the country. And who is behind the agreements? What two countries? Russia and Turkey, two of the nations that will be involved in the invasion of Ezekiel 38, 39. That's why we say you can't make this stuff up. Sooner or later, Libya will be unified and there'll be army coming from Libya, as it will from all these other countries, to attack Israel in the last days. So it's amazing. And I've written a whole book on that, too. Ezekiel, It's called the Ezekiel 3839 Invasion. Again, a free download from educatingourworld.com, where we look in detail about what's going to take place at the time of the end. So please take advantage from it, because all, all the things on our website are free. Our audio books and our physical books all 61 of them are free. So certain nations will invade in the last days. Well, look at that. They're absolutely, um, they're pretty much in place now. Just a few more things need to get happen, need to happen. Okay. Now, number 10 is really interesting. It's what I, uh, when I was first talking about this subject, I think it was about 10 years ago, uh, I was asked to do a talk on Ezekiel 38, 39 invasion. And not only I looked at the specified nations that will invade, 
But I also looked and signed 10 of the nations missing from the Ezekiel 38-39 invasion. What's not there? There are other Islamic nations in the area, such as the Gulf states. You've got Egypt. You've got Jordan. You've got Lebanon. You've got Syria that are not involved, at least named specifically in this invasion. Now, Lebanon and Syria may be involved as the armies you know, go through that to hit Israel. But the point is, Egypt is not. Egypt is specifically um, by their absence, they're they're very you know they're not there. They're just not there as a nation that will invade, and neither are the Gulf states. In fact, to the contrary, we're told in Ezekiel that there'll be protests from ancient Sheba and Dedan, which are the modern day Gulf states, about the invasion. Now, what's fascinating about this? They're all Muslims, and ostensibly they all hate Israel. They like to see Israel destroyed, and yet the Muslims are divided into two groups: Sunni and Shia, and they've been killing each other since the seventh century. And the Gulf states, and those are Sunni Muslims. It's the Shia Muslims in particular, with Iran and 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 that, which is going to be part of the invasion there of Israel in the last days. But these nations are missing. So today, who is fighting? for number one position in the Middle East? Well, it's Iran versus the Saudis. Iran's going to be part of the invasion. The Saudis, Sheba and Dedan, are going to be part of the protest of the invasion. Not that they'll get do anything on the side of Israel, but they're missing from the invading force. And we see today two coalitions there, the Arab states, even right now as we speak, worried about Iran and, you know, their uh, spreading of their uh, Islamic, you know, uh, their view of Islam in the world. They're, they're uh, basically... Um, the, not only the Shia Islam, but the jihad as they're doing, taking things by force around the world. And they have a different view of the last days, by the way, too. They believe that they destroy the little Satan, Israel, the big Satan, the U.S., and take over that way. And uh, that's what they're heading for. The other, the Sunni nations, they believe there'll be an Islamic rule someday in the world, but it'll, it'll be like it'll grow from the Middle East, it'll grow out to the entire world. They don't have to destroy anybody. So they got two different views at the time of the end. And so these nations signed 10 are missing from the Ezekiel 38-39 invasion. Interesting. Now, number 11 is probably to most Americans the most interesting of all the signs because it's one of the most often asked questions that we get. And here's how sign 11 goes. No superpower will intervene on Israel's behalf when they are invaded. Something will happen to, you, to the United States. All right. When I was doing this talk on Ezekiel 38, 39, I, um, you know, I put my yellow pad out. And I, oh, who's the nation's going to be involved? Who's not going to be this and that? I went through a whole whole scenario. But one thing that was conspicuous to me by its absence is that there was no superpower in the world. Because the leader of this invading force, his name is, his title is Gog, G-O-G, Gog. Well, Gog is not afraid. He's not afraid of anybody coming down against him when he puts his coalition together, no superpower that would fight on the side of Israel. And I'm looking at this, and no, nobody does, by the way. The only person that does is God himself. Now, they never counted on that. But no other nation helps Israel. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Where's the United States and all this? Where are they? Well, we're nowhere to be found. And so we are not a superpower who can or will get involved. 
Interestingly, I had a lot of people over the years say, well, what do you mean the United States isn't involved? We're the greatest military power in the world. Well, we are. But uh, the way we're going right now, people are not asking the question any longer, uh, is the United States really going to be involved? Not the way we're going, unfortunately. We're falling apart from the inside. You could never defeat us militarily, but you certainly can if we defeat ourselves. That's what's happening. And so no superpower will intervene on Israel's behalf. There won't be a superpower militarily, morally, uh, politically, who will fight for Israel. And that's the direction we're going right now with the United States of America. Sad, but true. All right, sign number 12, there will be a 10-nation confederation in Western Europe, the revival of the ancient Roman Empire. Now, this one's a real interesting one. There have been coalitions recently in Western Europe, but never 10 nations. The Bible says 10. And some people think, well, maybe it's symbolically of a full number. Now, I think 10 means 10 when the Roman Empire is revived. Right now, you've got the um, European Union, which has, what is it? I'm lost count, 32 nations, 33. Uh, you've got some very weak nations in there. Uh, during the COVID-19 response, it was uh, there's so many articles we would do about Europe, uh, basically the, the United States of Europe fall, falling apart uh, big time. And the reason they will fall apart is because uh, they, when the whole COVID thing happened, there was no working together. They're supposed to be one union, but uh, some of the countries asked for help and the other countries said, so who are you? Why should we help you? And so much for a union there. They've got chaos right now with respect to getting uh, you know, vaccines done across the EU, the European Union. So they're in a real mess. And so there's all these articles about the death of the EU, the European Union, and it has to be because they have to solidify the 10 countries. And so sooner or later, they will break up and go into 10 countries. That's where they're moving to, a 10-nation confederation the revival of the ancient Roman Empire. Daniel 2.44 says, In those days, the days of this ten toes, the ten nations, the kingdom of God will come to earth. That's still to happen. Okay, number 13, there will be a one-world political and economic system or globalism. And don't we ever see that taking place in the world today? The globalist idea of no such things as boundaries, no such things as countries, no such things as sovereignty. One big world ruled by a few people who are smarter than all of us, who can tell us what to do, how to live, and what to say. One economic system, one political system. That's precisely what we see. The globalistic system, that's coming. And so... Um, We've seen it here in the United States. The Democratic Party is pushing that uh, you know, to the hilt. And uh, Europe, of course, is going that direction. Um, we've got the Great Reset from Davos, Switzerland, with this maniac guy, Klaus Schwab, that uh, you know, was trying to put it together of um, kind of a one-world, anti-capitalist world there, a globalist world, where borders don't exist, uh, sovereignty doesn't exist. It's all just one big happy family run by a few who tell the rest of us what to do, and we're supposed to lie down with that. Now, um, there'll be a, a, a political and economic system in the last days, but there'll still be buying and selling. It won't be a total communistic system. There'll be buying and selling. That won't go by the wayside, but there'll be, the idea is getting rid of the sovereign borders. In other words, one state, it seems, gobbles up another where they're part of a union for their own strength and probably their own security too. But it'll end up being 10 in Western Europe, the revival of the old Roman Empire. Well, we're moving towards that right now, so stay tuned. And that'll be the one, and that's the, you got 10 nation confederation and we'll 
again, sign 13, globalism, the political and economic system that'll, that'll argue for confederations of nations rather than unique sovereignty. So 12 and 13 kind of piggyback and go together. Now, because of this, we move to sign 14, where the world will be desperately looking for a leader. Why? Well, who's going to get you out of all this mess, out of all this chaos? They're going to be looking for a leader who will have the answers. And the Bible talks about a personage who will come on the scene who will have all the answers. He's called a mouth speaking great things. He's got a number of titles, such as the man of lawlessness, the man of sin, the Assyrian, uh, the, uh, the Antichrist, the beast. And uh, he's coming. He's coming on the scene. I've written a whole book on the subject there. Again, another free download called The Final Antichrist. First John 2.18 says many antichrists are coming, but there's a final one that's still coming. And he's going to be the one who seemingly has all the answers to the problems of the world. He's a coming. And the world's the stage is getting set for that because someone needs to lead them out of the mess that it's in. Because you can have, you know... Um, some type of globalist mentality, or he's going to be actually ruling the 10 nation confederation of Western Europe. But you have to have someone that makes sense out of the chaos. And he's seemingly going to be the genius that does that, that mesmerizes the people. So uh, the world desperately looking for a leader. He's coming. Jesus said, I come in my father's name. You do not receive me. Another will come in his own name. Him you will receive. And unfortunately, that's what's going to take place. This final antichrist. Now, number 15. And by the way, each of these 25, we could spend a whole hour on each of them. So I'm just giving you the thumbnail sketch. Number 15. 15 is another one you could develop long and hard with, and that's an exponential increase in technology. You say, why do you say that? Well, you look at the scripture, and if you take it at face value, there are three different passages in scripture that assume a world that did not exist in the first century, but certainly does exist now. Revelation 13, you can't buy or sell without a particular mark on the right hand or the forehead. Let me ask you something. How in the world is that monitored worldwide? It's going to be. What kind of technology was available in the first century to monitor any financial transaction? Well, literally there was none. There was buying and selling, but you couldn't monitor that. According to this, without the mark of the beast, this final 666, the name and the number of this final Antichrist, you can't buy or you can't sell at the time of the end. Hmm. Well, uh, we don't worry about today. I wonder about that, how it can be monitored with the technology we have. In fact, this watch I have here could monitor it right now with all the doodads on that, my Apple Watch. And so the monitoring is not a problem anymore. Uh, Tim Cook, the leader of Apple, uh, said the next generation of young people won't know what cash is, a cashless society where everything is done digitally. In other words, it's all monitored. There's all the transactions, some database. That's coming. And so you've got an exponential increase of technology to do that sort of thing. There's two other passages in Scripture that uh, we, won't, we don't have time to get into them now, but also, again, uh, when you read the book about the final Antichrist, we talk about that. And also, um, we deal with this in uh, 25 signs. We're near the end. Obviously, all these 15 signs, uh, 25 signs are developed. So well, we can I would refer you to that to print it out and to look at that about the other uh, signs of the exponential increase in technology of sign 15. OK, number 16. Plagues and pestilence will trouble the world. Hmm. Have we had any plagues and pestilence? Yes, we have. It's called COVID-19, the Chinese Communist Party coronavirus. Yes, we've had that. And we're gonna and that's a bioweapon, by the way. It's not I'm sorry, it's not something that spontaneously came from a lab in Wuhan, China. I don't believe that for one second. I've been saying that for over a year now, a year and 
three months or whatever. Um, three point was it three point seven million square miles in China. That's how big the country is, 3.7 million square miles. And we're to believe that this uh, virus originated uh, just at a, a wet market, it's called. The wet markets where they sell all these exotic animals in the city of Wuhan. The same city, coincidentally enough, where they've got the only level four lab in the entire country of China where the worst pathogens such as SARS, Ebola, you name it, the bird flu, H1N1, all that happens to be there in that laboratory, right there, that same city. Just coincidentally, where it happened by chance to uh, come about out of nature, that same city where the lab is there, where they had troubles before, that same lab with the security windows in Beijing a few years earlier. And we're to believe that, no, it didn't escape from some lab. It was just something that happened in nature. Well, we know China is working uh, uh, fast and furious on bioterrorism. So that's, what's, that's what COVID-19 is all about. Uh, the plagues and pestilence, it's going to get worse and worse. Uh, not only human-made, bioterrorism, but also pestilence in nature. We see that happening. And so this is going to be a sign of the end. Jesus talked about that. Plagues and pestilence will continue. Unfortunately, it's not going to be eradicated. Sad to say, but true. All right, number 17, the world will be characterized by lawlessness. The world will be characterized by lawlessness. One of the signs of the end is lawlessness. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What, what was the sign of Noah? Lawlessness. Every, you know, people were lawless in, in their behavior. They, you know, that they uh, didn't believe in the laws of God. They would rebel against God. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, um, again, lawlessness will increase, we're told in the scripture during the time of the end. And it's characterized by that. Now, there's always been lawlessness, but this is going to be a characterization of the world. Lawlessness will be there. And we see it happening, you know, more and more in our own world, in our own country there, where people who are ordered by their job to obey the laws don't seem to care. They're just making the stuff as they go along with the, the rules of the country, the United States, the Constitution. Well, the Constitution, what's that? You know, it's a it's a living document. We need to, to in, you know, go further than, than that. And um, lawlessness, lawlessness, you know, abounds. And they're not even calling it that today. Terrible. Now, lawlessness, uh, signs 17 and 18 work together, leads to violence. Violence will be on the increase. Again, there's always violence, but we're told in Genesis chapter 6, the world was filled with violence. Hamas is the Hebrew word there. That particular uh, juncture in Genesis 6, violence will be the order of the day. As in the days of Noah, Jesus said, lawlessness and violence will be what's taking place in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We see that. We see the lawlessness. We see the violence. The world is characterized by these two things. It will, it's taking place, and it'll be worse and worse and worse. Not that there hasn't been violence before. There always has been, always been lawlessness. But not to the degree we see it now where the laws of man and God are rejected. All right, number 19, the organized church will turn away from the faith or apostasy. Uh, that's what we could do a couple days on, no, not, you know, um, not just an hour, a couple hours, several hours, several weeks. The organized church, the call of the organized church is to preach the gospel, to teach the Bible, to 
lift up Jesus Christ. And what we see today, we see three types of churches. One that won't even open because of COVID-19, bunch of cowards. Number two, another type of church that's like the state church in China, a woke church, and basically it's trendy, uh, you, know, you know, against the evangelical Christian, against preaching the gospel. And they call themselves a church, but they're just a mob that gets together. But they're there. And as Jesus said, the love of many will grow cold. Oh, that's what we see. So they've turned away from the faith, um, apostasy, uh, falling away from the faith that was once there. And these are like the major denominations in, in, in the Christian world. They've uh, become liberal. They've turned away from the faith that was once and for all delivered. Jude 3, it's terrible. That's what we see today in the organized church. Now, the church, the true believers in Christ, still working, still going fine, still doing great. But the organized church, no, they're just, uh, they're worthless. You know, people don't even care about them. They're the butt of many jokes simply because they've turned away from the faith. They're not preaching a message that anyone wants to hear. And that's what we see in the last days. Consequently, number 20, there'll be a rise in false prophets, false teachers and false Christs, precisely what we see. And so instead of the um, people preaching the gospel, talking about the true Jesus, the true message of Christ, what do we see? False prophets, false teachers, false Christ, giving a different message, a contrary message to the message of Jesus Christ. And again, in the pulpits today in the church, churches in America and around the world, we see the false prophets, the false teachers, the false Christ tickling the ears of the people, telling them what they want to hear, not telling them the gospel. And that's precisely what we're seeing today. 21, a rise in anti-Semitism. Boy, have we ever seen that recently? The uh, Jewish people, the Israeli people are being persecuted literally around the world. Now, they always have been, but you see an uptick of this where many of the Jews that live in Europe want to go back to Israel, want to live there because it seems to be the only place they're safe because of the rampant anti-Semitism. It's, 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 it's there on every college campus here in America. It's terrible. The anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic feeling. And it's one of the signs of the end that you're going to see that continually. Now, what's interesting about that, that assumes that Jews will still exist at the time of the end, right? Well, they do. And we see the anti-Semitism. All right, I've got to move along here. Number 22, Christians will continue to be persecuted. And again, think about this. That assumes there'll be Christians at the time of the end. Well, how did Jesus know that? I mean, here's this religious leader who's crucified for his own, you know, um, uh, view, his own uh whatever you want to call it, his own group, his own movement. And yet uh, the movement's existing 2,000 years uh, from his time, and they will be persecuted. Who is the number one persecuted group in the world? It is Christians. 80% of the religious persecution today in the world is aimed at Christians. So not only Christians exist at the time of the end, not only are they huge in number, but they are continuing to be persecuted. So we see this, again, literally fulfilled, just as the Bible predicts. Number 23, sign 23, unbelievers will scoff at the idea of Christ's return. <laughs> Nothing new with that. Second Peter says, in the last days, scoffers will come after their own ungodly lusts, saying, where is his promise coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing on like they have from the beginning. And we have that today. They laugh at us. They ridicule us for saying this. But, you know, you think 
if they were wanted to really look at the evidence, I'm on sign 23, and all of these have been literally fulfilled what the Bible predicts is going to happen at the time of the end, including the scoffing of uh, un unbelievers about the idea of Christ's return. You think if the Bible wasn't the Word of God, they'd get some of these wrong? Again, we're not making up these signs after the fact. These signs are in Scripture. We're just telling you what it says. And yeah, there are scoffers today, unbelievers scoffing at the idea of the return of Christ. Which brings us to our last two signs. First, the wicked will not understand the signs of the times. This is one that's so obvious. Daniel chapter 12 tells us um, that at the time of the end, verses 9 and 10, the wicked will not understand. The wicked will go on being wicked. They won't get it. They won't know what's going on at the time of the end. Uh, simply because they're not taking the Bible seriously. They don't have a guidebook. They don't have a blueprint of what to look after. And so what will they do? Well, what they'll do is make up what they think is going to happen. And they don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody can predict the future. So they get all these views, all these people trying to act so smart. And the signs of the times are right here in front of them. We've just mentioned them. And one of the signs being fulfilled is the wicked don't get it. They don't understand. They don't understand at all. But our last sign, number 25, Bible believers will understand what is taking place. And that is our message to you tonight. God's word tells us what's going to happen in the future. It tells us also in Daniel 12, 9 and 10 that we can understand. We can know these things. We can have a blueprint. That's why I can list 25 signs from you for you from Scripture, because God lays them out. Just like when Jesus came the first time, the signs were there for people to see. Most people didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They didn't, they didn't, you know, believe the signs that were there. And of course, they rejected Jesus. Now the second time's coming around. The signs are there. The evidence is there for all to see. The unbelievers don't get it, but Christians can and do understand. That's why we have Tom's program here, Hope for Our Times. There's real hope because we're not believing a fairy tale. We are believing the truth. And as Jesus said, you know, again, the truth will set us free. The truth of God's word is there for all to see. So basically, uh, my encouragement to you is to understand what is taking place. You've got Tom as a great resource here. Again, uh, check out our book, 25 Signs. We're near the end. We've got a number of books on last day's Bible prophecy on our website, educatingourworld.com. They're free downloads. You can download them all for free. And you can see these signs here in great detail. And after a while, if you're an unbeliever, you have to ask yourself this question. Hmm, is all this coincidental? It's just amazing if all these things are coming to pass, just as the Bible said. And of course, the answer is no, they're not. These are predicted by God. There is a pattern we're seeing over and over again. So it's a great time to be alive, an exciting time to see all these things take place. And they're happening right now in front of our very eyes. So yeah, if we read the Bible in context, not trying to find a double meaning, realizing this is the only guidebook that we have, or only in our only instruction manual, and we read it at face value, we put together what it says are 25 signs. We will see what will characterize the end. And you know what? Every single one of them is being fulfilled right now. Meaning what? Simply this, that there is a God who exists. 
who's come down 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus Christ, who's died for the sins of the world, took the penalty of the sins of the world upon himself, uh, came back from the dead three days later to prove he was whom he claimed to be, and will someday come back and judge the living and the dead. That's the great message of the gospel. That's the message of Christianity. That's why this program exists. That's why we do what we do. So if you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Trust him. The evidence is there. It's your decision to make. And if you are a believer, get to know what the Bible says. Understand the times. We don't want to be ignorant in these things. First Thessalonians 4.13, Paul said, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. We do not have to be. So get into God's word, know what's going on, and then follow Jesus. I'm Don Stewart. Thank you so much for watching this edition of Hope for Our Times. May the Lord richly, richly bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.